and that we love a chat. We love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of your frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too. Collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory networks. You know what? Hello everybody, welcome back to Sensory Matters and today I'm really excited because I have Stella Waterhouse um, with us today who we're going to have a chat to. Hi Stella, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, thank you Jenny and thank you very much for inviting me on. No problem at all. So Stella um, has done loads um, within our field. She basically became interested in autism in about the 60s and has written several books such as A Positive Approach to Autism got a wonderful website called autismdecoded.com with loads of resources and things on it and has also spilled into um, sensory travel and autism friendly travel and has her website Coloco. So um, we're just going to start at the very beginning. Tell, tell me how, how did you fall, follow this path? What kind of grabbed your attention and got your interest in autism to begin with? I, in around the late 60s, I was working actually with staff children and I met three kids with autism mm -hmm. um, in the same place who were all extremely different and they were that absolutely intrigued me how three children could have the same diagnosis and yet be so totally different one was a runner one would um eat anything and everything regardless of whether it was hot cold or the or edible or not yeah. and the third was a beautiful little girl um who was a very far away look in her eyes sort of mini mona lisa mm -hmm. um, and yes i was just intrigued and it sort of went on from there really <laughs> okay so you eventually worked with uh, children and adults um, as a teacher, didn't you? And and then a deputy principal at a residential school. Yes, eventually. It was a, in the residential place. It was actually for adults, which right, was quite okay. uh, or late teens and adults. So that was quite an interesting different take on things. Um, yeah. And that's when I started writing books about it because I found okay. that everybody I met was incredibly anxious. Yes. And um, tell us a little bit about your books and what people could get from them. It's really trying to explain how much the sensory differences can impact on people's lives and their behaviour and how mm -hmm. making simple changes can make a world of difference to them. Yes. So can you give me an example of one of those simple changes, the way you've had first-hand experience of it making a big difference to someone's life? It probably would relate mostly to, or, yeah, partly to the visual differences, um, because very often kids and even parents don't know the child has got visual problems. Uh -huh. It makes a tremendous difference to the way they see, so that some of them see double. Some of them find light very glaring and that naturally cause distortions 
the same as it would if you step out of a dark room into bright sunlight. For a few mm. moments, you're not going to be able to see things around you as a whole. They're, they become fragmented. And that's exactly the same but for kids with autism. Very often, everything looks fragmented. <coughs> Pardon me. Just there with me. <coughs> There's the other side of that, or the extreme end of that, is that some of them actually don't see faces at all. And mm -hmm. that can be really, really frightening. And yet... Yeah, it must be really frightening. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there are lots of other variations on that. There's um, been a lot of research done um, by a guy called Ian Jordan, who is an optician and mainly focused on research now. And he's found, I don't know, over 30-something different distortions in the way people see. They yeah, can he's based in Asia, isn't he? Sorry? He's based in air, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, simple direction is to actually find the right colour tinted lenses very often. And yes. just just that makes a world of difference. And I wonder, how, how do you figure it out? Because I always think this with, you know, if you point at the grass and I say it's green and you say it's green, then we're both, we might be seeing totally different colours, but we've been programmed to know that that's green or to label it green. Yes. So how do they figure out that someone's vision is distorted in that way? It must be really tricky. Well, some children, once you start talking to them about it, can obviously communicate that. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lovely clip that Ian has in one of his videos, um, which is just about four minutes long, and it is a child with autism talking about what he sees. And Ian has him in a room where he's changing the colours in there. Right. Uh, and at one point he said he gets really excited because suddenly Ian's face is all in the right place. Um, yeah. And it. Yeah, it's just incredible. And yeah. then, given a different light, um, apparently his nose looks as if it's on his chin. So. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And so just simple coloured lenses can just make such a big difference for these people. Oh, tremendously. Mm -hmm. So how did you go from, you know, being teaching and, and caring within the autism community to then deciding that travel is an area that you wanted to explore further? Um, again, I sort of bumbled into it. Okay. I was thinking that a lot of parents I knew weren't able to get away on holiday for a variety mm -hmm. of reasons and thought it would be nice to help them in that. And the easiest way at the time, which was three or four years ago, was to actually make a directory of places where they could go that would be uh, suitable and family-friendly and autism-friendly. And when I started, there weren't really very many. And mm -hmm. they've gradually increased in the last few years. And I suddenly got to the stage where the directory was getting a bit big and it wasn't really fit for purpose. So I thought it was time to actually try and do it more professionally and turn it into a business. 
Um, so I've started doing that with a friend and we've now been joined by a travel agent called Nick Lander who specialises in autism travel. And okay. we're in the process of developing the website. Brilliant. So what did you come across that with the parents that you were talking to who just didn't go on holiday? What was putting them off? What are the key themes that prevent people from travelling? Part of it is that their children very often find the idea of travelling frightening. Um, mm-hmm. Even getting in a car and going down to the shop can sometimes be travelling. So getting into a car, going to a destination, a venue that you've never been to before, um, is even more frightening. Mm-hmm. And they also are, obviously, the kids are afraid of new places. Mm-hmm. Parents don't want to travel if it's going to stress the children out. It, it's, yeah, if you can imagine going down a motorway and somebody having a meltdown. Yeah. Um, simply because the car is going down a motorway is quite off-putting to say the least yes so very often parents would just rather stay at home in somewhere safe and obviously there are also children who actually um, need somewhere relatively secure have to be away Mm -hmm. from rivers and streams lakes that sort of thing because they do run off yeah and would obviously put themselves at risk. So there's a whole lot of factors that I think have put parents off in the past. Yes. And what do you think, you know, if you can, through your website, enable people to view travel in in a way that is possible for them, what do you think that they are going to get from that in terms of the benefits that they will experience? I think travel is always, and holidays, are always a major benefit. Um, Just having time to relax a little bit. And very often in the past, parents, even when they've been on holiday, haven't been able to relax. Um, Some of them have more than one child on the spectrum or with other difficulties. Um, I know of one family where one child likes things that are very quiet Um, the other one wants to bounce about and go and have adventures and that's quite difficult to balance so it ends with one parent going in one direction and the other taking the other child in a different direction and they meet up for meals so it's trying to find things that will actually give the children a break because children need to relax and chill out as well obviously obviously and many of them are when they're not at school some of them are undergoing therapies and different things that take up an awful lot of their time so they definitely need a chance to relax and chill out Um, also finding venues that will perhaps enable parents to get a little break okay And that seems to be the way that some of the better places are going now in terms of venues. Okay. And are are you seeing a bit of a shift in terms of the travel industry in general and how they set themselves up to be more um, accessible? 
Certainly some of the smaller places are, and the bigger places too. The amusement park industry seems to have changed dramatically over the last few years, and many of the very big places have obviously undergone um, sensory-friendly training or autism training. Yeah. so that they are much more aware of the problems. Um, but some of the hotels have done it off their own bat as well, and we're actually approaching hotels and aiming to try and work with them and give them some basic training, which will hopefully um, filter down as well to their other customers. Yes, yeah, absolutely, that makes sense. And um, what about the, the kind of methods of travel? Is, is that a challenge sometimes? You mentioned the car, but things like flights, trains. Oh, buses. yes, <laughs> definitely. There's a very good scheme over in the States, which we're hoping um, we will be able to replicate in some way. And I think some places have already looked at it. Uh, it's called Wings for Autism, and it's actually giving children the opportunity to go to an airport and go through the process that they would normally have to undergo when they get to an airport. Um, so oh. you go through check-in and show your passport or whatever, and then you get on the train, uh, plane, sorry, um, and get a little experience of that, have a few refreshments and get off again you know what the process is and where everything is throughout the airport and everything is on the plane and we're hoping to do something very similar that sounds great because I, I guess from what you were saying about the whole idea of change and something new if you can add an air of familiarity to it and that they know what's coming next and they've experienced that without the pressure of having to do it yeah um then that, that could really benefit people. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And could you see that happening with trains and buses as well? Uh, certainly with trains, I could see it working very well. Um, mm -hmm. Starting off probably with Thomas the Tank Engine Train. Um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's the way to go and alongside virtual tours and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's why the website has a section specifically aimed at uh, kids and teens so that they can go on there and explore not just holiday destinations but different venues that they might like to go to. So it's got, uh, particularly at the moment, um, we've been able to get hold of lots of YouTube videos that are really good um, in relation to walking the national parks or going to a natural history museum or yeah or just all sorts of things um, yeah because since lock yeah. since lockdown every lots of businesses have actually created that sort of thing for their business so, yeah like online gallery tours and all sorts aren't there yes the zoos and yeah you name it we've got it <laughs> or it, it yeah. or it's out there somewhere and i'll find it <laughs> so, yeah brilliant it's well, me we'll just, sorry sorry we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back and i want to explore a bit more in depth about your website and what you're offering people okay so we'll be back in a minute
So this week you have an amazing opportunity. In fact, it's running for the whole of June 2020. You can get 20% off any of our rainbow products in the shop. And that is in celebration of Pride, which is celebrated throughout the month of June. So 20% off on any rainbow product. And all you have to do is find one you love, whether it be a necklace, a bangle, or a hand fidget, or a hexatube, and enter the code RAINBOW20 to get 20% off. Happy shopping! Okay, welcome back. Um, we were talking before the break to Stella about um, just travel and how important it is um, for people to get a break and to try and do that in a way that works for the entire family and makes it accessible and to kind of open people's minds to the fact that you can travel. And it's obviously inspired Stella to, to create her community interest company and travel site. So explain to us what your travel site does. As I said just now, it's actually got three facets. One, okay. it, one is aimed at parents. So it, it's for all intents and purposes, it's a site where you can go and actually look at different venues um, explore see what they've got it is very much biased towards being sensory friendly so it mm -hmm. will tell you if a place is sensory friendly if uh, give you some idea of their reviews show you the different things about it and give you any special um, information that you might want to find about them and so that is just purely from your own research and, and finding out about different venues, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And if, if you had, if a company was out there um, for kind of facet one, if you like, where the, the parents can look for ideas of places to go that will accommodate sensory needs. If there's a company out there that wanted um, to make themselves more accessible and wanted to get in touch with you and list on their website, is that list on your website? Is that something that's possible oh yes definitely um we can point them in the direction of training um mm -hmm. and also give them advice if they wanted to perhaps incorporate some like a sensory room um mm -hmm. but for lots of lots of the smaller hotels they probably won't want to go that way but they may want to perhaps keep some sensory things that they can offer to people so even just having a box of fidgets and perhaps some ear defenders that type of thing um, can all be very helpful in terms of being sensory friendly yeah okay and do you do you vet this in any way do you kind of like check that they're practicing what they preach um we certainly shall be yes what we're what we're hoping to do initially there are already um some firms that are doing that okay. the, the autism training and the autism checking uh -huh. we've gone with one particular one because they seem to offer a very comprehensive program so we will uh -huh. be offering that to venues um and similarly with um sensory information about sensory products um, we would also advise them on that or any changes that we thought might be necessary if they've already undergone the training 
from another agency that we consider is a good one, um, then we shall probably um, do a much smaller thing in that we hope to have some work with a few families who will actually do a sort of uh, mystery venue tester. I don't know quite what you'd call it. Um, So they perhaps get a holiday that is slightly cheaper than normal, um, but they also fill in a form for us and tell us just what they think of it. Great. It's an interesting point because I did come across one hotel which is not in this country. Um, and it was actually advertising on their website that they had been trained in autism. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I looked up the reviews, I actually found one review from a family with autism and they were totally disappointed in it. So Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, the training had either been implemented and staff had left or something had gone seriously wrong right um and obviously we wouldn't feel able to have that particular venue on our site unless we had undergone uh, they'd undergone rigorous checks yes and we, fair enough. we'd made sure that they were actually doing what they say they would do on their website yes so what sort of things could a venue be doing? Obviously, that train and, and get some knowledge and understanding of autism, but in terms of what they can do in their establishment to make things better for people, what would you be looking for? Some of them have certainly gone the whole hog and put sensory rooms in. Others mm-hmm. are supplying things like um, if a child is a runner and they, the family feel the room isn't secure enough, they're providing things that they can use to lock the doors or whatever. Um, But for a lot of them, it is just making sure that the room they're going to is going to be at the end of a corridor where it's quieter, not near public toilets or above um, a noisy dining area or whatever. That sort mm-hmm. of thing. So sometimes, most of the things can be probably implemented at quite reasonable cost. Um, yes. And in some cases, it would be minimal. We're not just looking at hot hotels. We are also looking at much smaller venues, um, many of which are suitable anyway, um, like campsites and um, camping sites, that sort of thing, Yeah. where there is... Space to spread out. Yes, so that's arm one of your your website, which is providing that resource and reassurance um, for parents about venues that have kind of been vetted, if you like. Yeah. What second facet? The second facet is the training for hotels and other venues, and the third the third facet is to me the most important is actually encouraging. Um, kids and teens to try a holiday um, and try it from home on their computer initially so they can go and look up um, about swimming what you can do on the beach uh, surfing and all the different sports 
uh, or they can do a virtual tour of the place they might be going to or the area they might be going to. Not everybody's got virtual tours yet. Um, but giving them as much information as is possible about the places they might like to go. I'm yeah. just hoping that they will overcome a little of their fear and try it. Yes. And have you experience of that happening? Someone coming on your website, taking your tours, learning about it, getting the information and then going on to book a successful holiday? We haven't actually got the travel side up quite up and running yet. Okay. So um, give us two or three more months or <laughs> because travel has anyway stopped at the moment and the whole, yes, the whole situation else. is very strange. Yeah. Yes. I think it's something yeah. that hasn't, yeah, we haven't experienced in our lifetime. So it's just waiting till things are up and starting again. But I imagine initially it's probably going to be the smaller, quieter places that are going to attract most customers. Yes. And that's actually quite a good way to start if people staycation to start mm -hmm. with before they move on to perhaps being really adventurous and getting on a plane or getting on a boat yeah. or whatever so yeah so it's just taking it a step at a time isn't it yes and that, that was something i was going to touch on actually with the global pandemic and the, the stopping of travel etc at the moment and looking to the future when travel does return to some form of normality it has crossed my mind that it might actually benefit the sensory world significantly in terms of how travel might look like on the other side with social distancing perhaps being required for a longer period of time. Have you any thoughts on that? I, th I think that's certainly true. Although I think when they have started relaxing the rules in some places, it's the gen some of the general public aren't very good at actually observing the social distancing. So I, th I think it will have to be probably that the venues bring in rules and regulations, which some of them are already in the process of doing anyway. Yeah. But if it ends up that even if you think about a plane and they're talking about maybe me leaving the middle seat empty, hmm. don't know whether it'll be a forever thing or whether they'll just do it for a period of time, who knows? But I, I could see that being a benefit. Um, oh, definitely. Yes, I think travel in general, because if you think about rush hours and going in and out of trains on buses into work, so many more people will probably maintain working from home because they've seen that they can do it. Um, so therefore, travel in general might be very much less busy um, in terms of transportation, which again makes it just more accessible for the sensory world as well. Yes, yeah. And then it, when you think about restaurants and venues and reducing the number of people in there and spreading them out. Is, is all going to benefit our community. Oh, yes. I saw a nice little picture the, the other day. I think it might have been in Holland or somewhere, and one restaurant had actually got, like, mini greenhouses outside um, for held about two people. Um, and I thought that was actually rather a nice idea. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many things. Like, I've, I've seen one where they're sitting in an outdoor cafe and they've got, you know, swimming noodles, pool noodles on their heads, which are about, 
and you're not allowed to be closer than the pool noodle. It, it kind of teaches that staying out of the way, doesn't it? Yes. Had like four out of their heads, like they're a big octopus on the head. It was funny. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but the world's certainly going to change, that's for sure. Oh, yes. Um, but I think it's it's it could be of great benefit and maybe make travel even more accessible to people that have found it a challenge before because with it being less busy, um, it may be less daunting so it might actually once things restart be the best time ever to experiment with pushing yourself out there and trying it i i would think so i would think that's going to be a real benefit and if we can help ease the transition from home to away and do it initially local to the person and then gradually they could expand out um and I think once people have confidence that our site will do what it says it does, um, mm-hmm. that'll make a difference too. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I think it's wonderful what you're doing because I think so so many services for our community are based on the the kind of essential needs. Now, I, I'm a big traveller. I love travel. So I would put travel in as an essential need, but many people probably put it further down their requirement list. Um, mm trying to get by and survive and get through school and work or whatever else is going on and and it seems like such a stress but I think enabling people to not miss out on the joy of life which is traveling and experiencing things and all, all that that comes with it is a really positive thing and it's nice to see someone putting some attention on something that's a real benefit and joy rather than just an necessary need if that makes sense oh definitely yes and i think the nice thing too which is just a a bonus in a way is that if we can teach people in hotels um and other venues about the needs um then hopefully that will filter down as i said before to their other customers and it's just generally increasing awareness and understanding around the sensory issues. Yes, definitely. Yeah, well, I think you're doing a fantastic job and um, I'm going to keep an eye on your website and see how it develops. But for <laughs> Thank everybody you. else, <laughs> you want to go to Coloco Travel, which is spelt K-O-L-O-K-O travel.com and you'll get all of Stella's resources and information there so it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you is there any kind of lasting things you feel you've not had the opportunity to say that you want to say now i think i've probably covered most of the things about the website but we would very much like people to have a look starting off at the oasis cafe which is aimed at kids and teens so that we can get some feedback and know if we're actually on the right track Brilliant. And what's the best way for them to feed back to you? Um, they can just go on our web on our Facebook page. That's probably the best. And say, Great. oh, yes, that was good. Or, oh, no, really don't like that. Brilliant. But the right. more the merrier. I'm perfectly happy to have criticism. It just helps me actually change what needs changing. Yeah, fantastic. That's brilliant. Well, thank you very much once again, Stella. That's been really interesting. Thank you very much for having me, Jenny. You're most welcome. 
Well, that's it for this week. And thank you once again for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds, then go and give us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps other people find our content. And we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews. So go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five-star review on iTunes to help others find us. Also, so that you never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available, why not hit subscribe? And that way you'll never miss us. Finally, if you're not already a member of our fantastic Facebook support group, I suggest you go join it. We'd love to see you in there. There's loads of fantastic chat, lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you. So go and search on Facebook for the Chewy Gem Sensory Support Group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes. Speak to you then. Bye. Bye.